This is Sports Talk with Phil Cordblue, Chris Bergen, and Pat Daniel. Sports Talk is heard across the state on radio affiliates of the Sports Talk Media Network and is streaming live on SportsTalkSE.com, as well as Twitter, Facebook, and YouTube. The South Carolina Education Lottery lucky number to call in is 888-898-2525. That's 888-898-2525. Now, here are Phil, Chris, and Pat with tonight's edition of Sports Talk. Welcome in, everybody. Sports Talk here on the Sports Talk Media Network. We come to you from Dave and Buster's here in Myrtle Beach. We continue our coverage of the Touchstone Energy Cooperatives Bowl Week here in Myrtle Beach. Looking forward to the big game on Saturday. Our airtime on the network will be at noon, and kickoff will be at 1230. Was out watching practice today, first day of practice. Two practices, one in the morning. One in the afternoon, good-looking players out there. It's going to be really different styles for both of these offensive teams. The North is going to spread it out and throw it, and the South is loaded up with running backs. They've got five running backs that combined in their careers did something like I was told around 13,000 yards. So Justin Gentry, coach of the South, he's going to line it up with a big offensive line and those running backs and run it at the North and Robin Bacon, the coach of the North, going to spread it out and throw it around and see what he can do with that and hope that his defense up front can handle the running attack from the South. We'll hear from both head coaches tonight. Also, we'll hear from Dabo Sweeney. The Orange Bowl today had their formal press conference introducing Clemson and Tennessee for their game. So comments from Dabo Sweeney coming up as well. I'm at Dave & Buster's here in Myrtle Beach at Celebrity Square. It's a fantastic place. You may or may not know. If you've been here, you certainly know what I'm talking about. If you haven't, well, you need to get on out to the Dave & Buster's here in Myrtle Beach or in Columbia or in Greenville. Great place for food and fun and watching sports. I can't think of a better place to do all of that in one stop. It's fantastic, man. Bring the kids and you can cut them loose in the arcade. You can kick back and enjoy whatever game you're watching on television, have a terrific meal or appetizers or drink, whatever it is you want to uh, want to enjoy. They got it all for you at Dave & Buster's, those three locations, Myrtle Beach, Columbia, and Greenville. So we've done a show from Greenville. We're doing a show here tonight from Myrtle Beach, and we will catch one in Columbia here before too long as well. And we have Pat Daniel back at our Dave & Buster Studios in Columbia where he has nothing to eat, nothing to drink, and no arcade games to play. He's just there to take your phone calls and turn the dials and push the buttons <laughs> and make sure everything works smoothly. Just rub And in. over in, uh, there That's you go, so over sad. in That's Sardis, so in, the, uh, in the great PD at the Bergie Palace, Chris Bergen with us, back from his trip to Wofford, where the Terriers beat Coastal Carolina last night, and they denied Cliff Ellis that 900th win. They did and played very well, and I was impressed with Wofford and uh, Phil. Some of the things we heard beforehand, before the ball game, I couldn't really report. They were sort of given to me, uh, you know, in, in confidence. But I saw some of the national uh, pundits actually tweet out what was going on with Jay McCauley, and it does not appear that Jay McCauley is going to come back as head coach at Wofford. Uh, evidently, he's mm-hmm. got uh, major issues with that basketball program and the team itself. There, there's a lot of things going on with that Wofford basketball team and him. They. 
did not get along. It, it sounds like, uh, especially after the Vanderbilt game, that was sort of the last straw. The players evidently went to the athletic department and said, look, it's either him or us. And so they made a change. They put him on administrative leave. But I can't imagine that uh, Jay McCauley's coming back. And props to Dwight Perry. He's now won two ball games as the interim head coach. He won one back when Wofford was dealing with COVID. And I think Coach McCauley actually had to sit out a game. And he won that ball game. And last night, he was able to guide his team back and, and pick up a win. I was awfully impressed with them, especially late in that ball game. They actually outscored Coastal down the stretch. I think it was 22-8. to eight to put that ball game away in a contest that uh, Coastal led throughout the entire first half and in portions of the second half, but just couldn't get it done. So round one of Coach Ellis trying to get his 900th victory did not go as well as he had hoped. Round two comes up on Saturday against Regents, and I feel pretty confident he will get his 900th career victory coming up on Saturday hmm. afternoon. Actually, this would be round three, wouldn't it? Because didn't he get 899? No. Yes. No, no. He got 899 at home, and then he went to – he was trying to get 899 at Winthrop and 900 at home. Is that correct? That's uh, no. Actually, he got 899 at Winthrop. They were what I was hoping would, and I thought it'd be great. They lost to UNC Wilmington when he was sitting at 898. So the hope yeah. was that they would beat Wilmington. That would be 899, and then you would go to Winthrop and win that ball game. That would be 900. Or worst case scenario, you might be able to get it at Wofford. They lost to Wilmington, so he got 899 at Winthrop on Saturday. Did not win last gotcha. night, and so he'll go go uh, try again on uh, Saturday against Regent to uh, try and pick up that 900th career victory and become just the third active coach right now in college basketball with at least 900 wins, joining uh, Jim Beheim and, and – uh, Bob Huggins up at uh, West Virginia. Well, good luck to the cliffhanger against Regent on Saturday there at the HTC Center. Uh, we have got uh, some breaking news according to Pat, and we'll go to that in just a moment. Our phone number, 888 South Carolina Education Lottery lucky number here on Sports Talk tonight. We're going to hear from the head coaches here at the Touchstone Energy Cooperatives Bowl. We'll have that for you. Dabo Sweeney as well, and is an SC Wild Night tonight as Major Billy Downer will join us at 7.30 tonight. He's going to talk about waterfowl and an overview of the deer season as we've wrapped up the deer season. So waterfowl will be on his mind and deer season will be on his mind when he joins us at 7.30 for no SC alligators. Wild. Not alligators. <laughs> I don't see alligators on the agenda Though that's fine. That's fine. I'm happy to pass on the alligators anytime. All right, Pat, what you got? Just a couple of pieces of, of news that I'm seeing come across the, the Twitter feed here, both being reported first by, uh, by Bruce Feldman. First of all, one that involves directly the South Carolina Gamecocks, or at least their bowl game. Notre Dame star tight end Michael Mayer has entered the 2023 NFL draft and will not play in the Gator Bowl against the Gamecocks. So Notre Dame now will be without their star tight end and their quarterback, who just entered the transfer portal uh, earlier this mm -hmm. week. And both of those players were very instrumental, along with the defense and special teams, in the beatdown of the Clemson Tigers last month. So that'll certainly impact that game. And then the other piece of news, Phil Longo has accepted a position at Wisconsin to be become the Badgers' new offensive coordinator. He is That is, of course, the UNC Tar Heels offensive coordinator. He has uh, helped develop Drake May into the superstar that he is. Um, he previously has had a strong relationship with Luke Fickle, who, of course, was the previous Cincinnati coach, newly named Wisconsin head coach. Uh, Phil Longo had actually previously interviewed 
to become the Cincinnati offensive coach before coming to Chapel Hill. So he and uh, Fickle have a, have a relationship going back a number of years, but they're quite a shakeup up in, tar, up in uh, Chapel Hill, and there already had been rumors of Drake May flirting with the transfer portal. Curious to see what this huh. does with him. Longo's an excellent offensive mind and heading up to the Big Ten. Also seeing a report that Alabama safeties coach Charles Kelly is headed to uh, Colorado to be the defensive coordinator at Colorado under their new head coach, Coach Prime. He's putting together a heck of a staff there at Colorado for sure. Charles Kelly has a great reputation. I think he was at Florida State for a while, and now he is headed from Alabama to uh, Colorado. And how do you as far think he's as going to do, Phil? Uh, how do you think he is going to do? Is he all splash and actually no spice behind it, or at least no substance? Or do you actually think he's going to be able to generate a quality program in the uh, Pac-12, which, quite frankly, is a winnable league if Colorado can get the players in that, that they need to compete with uh, Southern Cal and Oregon? Yeah. Well, he proved he could win at Jackson State. You're talking about Dion, of course. He no, proved he could win at Jackson State, and he did it quickly. You know, there was no five-year build there. It was quick. He took advantage of his name, and he took advantage of his swagger, and he took advantage of his personality to attract some major talent. And I think he's going to do the same thing at Colorado. So he's going to surround himself with some really good coaches. He obviously knows the game himself. Mm-hmm. But, you know, as a head coach, it's about – motivation, organization, communication, and recruiting. And, yeah, whatever football knowledge you have, that's useful too. But you hire coaches to run your offense, defense, coach their positions, and you let them do their thing. I see no reason why he won't be successful. If they're going to put some money into the program, allow him to pay these coaches what it's going to require to get them to come there, I think he's going to be successful. I see no reason why he won't. And – I mean, in the Pac-12, especially if they lose UCLA and Southern Cal, oh, that's which a good point. right yeah. now they stand to do. It's going to be a weekend. It's going to be a weekend league too. So, a um, couple of other things to mention uh, that I read today as I was scanning uh, the various websites and stuff, and, and and they caught my eye and they're worth commenting on. One was from uh, the Big Spur, where Tony Morrell wrote that. Marcus Satterfield was told after the Florida game that he would not be retained as the offensive coordinator at South Carolina. Now, his contract was coming to an end. So, according to this story, he was fired by Shane Beamer two games before the end of the regular season. I guess they let him you know, serve. If that is accurate information, we'll have to ask Beamer that at the next opportunity. But that's what he wrote that he was informed that he would not be retained after the Florida game. And then from Tiger Illustrated, Paul Strilo, who, of course, knows Clemson recruiting inside and out, he wrote today the Tigers are not going to get probably their top running back target in this class, kid named Christopher Johnson from down in Fort Lauderdale. And it's going to come down to uh, Ole Miss and Miami. But the only reason I bring this up, besides the fact that they're not getting him, the reason I'm citing Paul and citing this report is, again, he's writing that Clemson basically got outbid on the NIL front. And this has become, you know, pretty much the consistent 
reasoning behind Clemson not getting these players, according to Paul Strelo, the stories that he writes, that when they're not getting these players, it's because of the NIL deal. And so, again, what's Clemson going to do about that? Are they going to continue to lose players for NIL reasons? Or, again, is this just carrying the water in CYA for not getting a player? Well, that's my question to you. It, if Paul yeah. Strilo is reporting this, is it sour grapes and the fact that the kid just didn't want to go to Clemson? And here's the easiest excuse. Well, he didn't want to go yeah. because Clemson didn't pay the NIL money that he was asking for, as opposed to they got out-recruited by two other schools. Yeah, exactly. That's why I'm just throwing it out there. It's either mm-hmm. you know CYA or it's the reason. And, I mean, and I've brought this up before. I mean, what is Clemson doing getting beat repeatedly on players over NIL? Uh, how long are they going to let that continue? Or, or do they plan to do anything about it? Um, do they plan to be um, forward-thinking, more forward-thinking than they already are, uh, more aggressive in that area to prevent that from happening? Because you keep losing enough of those players, and then all of a sudden you're not a great program anymore. You know, you slide. You're not going to make the playoffs. Well, everybody's going to make the playoffs eventually. Exactly. But under the current format, you're not. And maybe when it expands to 12, you will. Maybe you won't, but you won't go very far. And is that just a lame excuse for not getting the players, or are they truly being outbid, as, as he writes? So a couple of things there that I read to question, and when we get a chance to talk to a, a Shane Beamer next time, we'll ask him if he fired um, his offensive coordinator prior to Uh, the end of the regular season. I don't know. um, You know, Shane Beamer and Marcus Satterfield seem to have a very strong relationship, and and Beamer seemed to always go out of his way to deflect direct criticism towards Satterfield and the running of the offense. Um, I mean, if if that is the case, then, then so be it. As it turned out, he landed a job uh, quickly as soon as the season was over uh, with his good friend going out there to Nebraska. So it all worked out. But now I'd be that's interested to know from Beamer's standpoint <laughs> if that's actually the truth that he actually told Satterfield, I'm not bringing you back. If he will admit to that or just dismiss it and say, no, I, that, I never said that. We'll have to wait till next week and ask him that question. Who called Go the plays? That. Who called the plays those last two games? That brings that question mm. back into play. I know that's something more fans have been asking, but if part of our job is to be the mouthpiece for fans, I think that's a question worth asking. And also, did they just get lucky that uh, you know uh, Matt Rule ended up getting in the Nebraska job so he could bring his, his good friend Mar- uh, Marcus Satterfield over? I find that there, there are too many coincidences in there for that to be the, the case that they fired him before the season. And lo and behold, he just actually got a, a job and a good one. So everything works out and nobody has to look like the bad guy. I'd, yeah. I'd, I'd really love to hear Beamer's ex- explanation if that is actually uh, true as to whether or not they fired him after the Florida game and said, you know what, we're going to, uh, we're going to pull back the, uh, the reins a little bit on the, uh, on the offense and make it much more simple. And then they go out and, and dominate Tennessee and beat Clemson. And then, lo and behold, he lands a, a job that perhaps he would have gotten anyway when uh, Matt Rule ends up in Nebraska. Yeah. yeah. That question will certainly be asked next time we get the opportunity. Okay, our phone number, 888-898-2525. That is the South Carolina Education Lottery 
lucky number here on Sports Talk. And since 2002, more than $4.2 billion in lottery proceeds have been used to fund scholarships and grants for South Carolina students. Learn more about the South Carolina Education Lottery's impact at sceducationlottery.com slash education wins and playing for fun is a win for education. Uh, we'll have our recruiting report for you as well tonight with an update on a couple of uh, key players. And uh, we'll take your phone calls here coming up in just a moment. If you want to join us, 888-898-2525 is the number. Going to hear from the two head coaches here at the Touchstone Energy Cooperatives Bowl and comments from Dabo Sweeney as well coming up. We'll be back after this break here on Sports Talk. South Carolina's taste buds have spoken, and they're asking for beef. There are more than 7,800 farms raising cattle from pasture to plate in the Palmetto State. So whether it's steaks on the grill before the big game, sirloin medallions plated for date night, or burgers with a family, make sure beef is a part of your playbook this football season. Smoke, grilled, and slow roasted. Find the best way to enjoy your beef at sccattle.org. Beef. It's what's for dinner in South Carolina. Funded by the South Carolina Beef Council, part of the Beef Checkoff Program. When your day calls for some winning, why not watch your favorite football team at Dave & Buster's? We've got massive HDTVs and hundreds of the hottest new games set from our chef-crafted cocktail menu with exclusive drinks such as the Strawberry Watermelon Margarita or Dangerous Waters. Cheer on the team with Cantina Nachos or Wings featuring one of our 12 wing flavors. When your day calls for some winning, it's time for Dave & Buster's where you can watch the games and play the games. Locations in Greenville, Columbia, and Myrtle Beach. Join the Trailblaze Challenge, the endurance hike program where big hearts come together for big steps to create hope for local wish families through Make-A-Wish South Carolina. This spring, take part in a new journey on the Palmetto Trail. From sunrise on the highest peak in South Carolina to the coastal marshes of the Lowcountry, hikers of all levels can support critically ill children, enjoy and explore the outdoors, and build South Carolina pride and community through an all-inclusive hike experience. Visit sctrailblazechallenge.org to learn how to get started. That's sctrailblazechallenge.org. Hey, this is Major Billy Downer with DNR, and coming up tonight at 7.30, another edition of SC Wild on the Sports Talk Radio Network. Hi, I'm State Treasurer Curtis Loftus, and I've got a great gift idea that requires zero shopping, the gift of college savings. Future Scholar, South Carolina's 529 College Savings Plan makes it easy. Grandparents, friends, and family can all contribute to a Future Scholar account and know that they're providing a gift that will last a lifetime. If you're looking for the perfect gift this holiday season, look no further. Learn more about the smart, easy way to save and give this holiday season at futurescholar.com. You were always more than my mom. You were my role model, my best friend, and biggest supporter. You filled my days with unconditional love. And you also prepared for the day when you couldn't be here. No, because of the one, woman you but, were back um, then, he already, he I'm already able to be the woman so I am right now. now. Any, but I'll put Your planning made I'll wait this for you to restart and then put them there. Set your family up for life. Southern Farm Bureau Life Insurance. 
Your friends for life. Life insurance isn't for you. It's for those you love the most. For a complete insurance review, call Buddy Bridges in Lawrence County at 864-923-2174. Serving Lawrence, Clinton, and the shores of Lake Greenwood. Southern Farm Bureau Life Insurance Company, Jackson, Mississippi. Not licensed to do business in all 50 states. Big day if you're a New York Yankee fan. Oh, what's nine years and, what, 370-something million dollars among friends? Yeah, and to finish, what, second or third in the American League? That's not a problem. Mm-mm, yeah, that's true. We couldn't win it <laughs> when he was paid previously. And hopefully we can win it with his new – he's going to be the new captain of the Yankees too, you know. We're talking about Aaron Judge. All rise. Aaron Judge. And signing or agreeing to maybe signing that new contract uh, with the Yankees. I, and did I not tell you? I think this came up in the summer. I mean, I hate to have to go back and prove myself right again. I'm getting kind of tired of doing that. But did I not say back in the summer the Yankees would sign Aaron Judge? Not to worry. Everybody was like, oh, Aaron Judge is going to leave and go to San Francisco, go back home or go to Dodgers. No, no, no. No, he's not. If he not. wanted to win, he would have. But if he wants to get paid, he did exactly what he's he gonna should. He's going to win. He's going to win in New York. Everybody wins eventually with the Yankees. It's going to happen. the last time the Yankees were in the World Series, Phil? Uh, 2009. <laughs> not going to be much that long ago. Aaron Judge was how old then? <laughs> He was 18. 139 <laughs> batting average in the postseason this year was uh, – that had to be A fun dynamite. to watch. Yeah. That, that was worth every penny he's getting now. Which was more Aaron fun? Aaron Judge is 31 watch, years old. Watching that or watching him break the home run record this season? Which, which was better? <laughs> for, for me, I mean, it was I better enjoyed, watching him struggle uh, every, in the postseason. Everything he did. I mean, listen, he's a, he's a five-tool player. I mean, yeah, sometimes he struggles in the postseason, but – Look at the plays he makes in the field. Look at that strong arm. Look at the bases he steals. He might be the most complete player in the game today. Hits, hits for average, hits for power. What are the five tools? Hits for average, hits for mm-hmm. power, yep. arm, steal a base, and fielding. Those are your five mm-hmm. tools, right? I think he's got them all. I think he checks all the boxes. You know? oh, he's a terrific he player. The There's no argument there. He just mm-hmm. it, it, his value to the Yankees. I mean, is not worth the contract he is getting, in terms of guiding them to the World Series, Listen, which is what you, the Yankees you, pay you him don't, to do. You don't stick your nose in our business, and we my won't team stick won the our World Series two years ago. Okay? I got no problem with you guys. <laughs> okay, my team won they, the World did, Series. But, well, how far did you go this year? Huh? How far did you make it this year? About as far as right? the Yankees you just, did. You just lost your closer to the Red Sox. I mean, and, come and on. lose the shortstop, too. See ya. <laughs> yeah, speaking of that today, the Braves reportedly turned down uh, Dansby Swanson's counter offer to them of six-year, $140 million is what he is seeking, $23 million a year. Seems, I mean, that's a lot of money, but that seems reasonable for a guy that finished 12th in MVP, second among shortstops, won a gold glove this past season. He was an all-star. He's only 28, hometown kid, former number one overall pick. This feels like Freddie Freeman 2.0 for Braves fans, at least to me. Mm-hmm. Yeah. All right. Uh, we should mention that there's a basketball game tonight involving Clemson. You know, they still play basketball. Actually, the Clemson basketball team well. starting to open some eyes. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. They host Towson tonight. It'll be the Towson Tigers against the Clemson Tigers. And Clemson 
coming off um, a couple of really nice wins and a chance to build a good early season record. That second half against Wake Forest, highly impressive. The Tigers are 7-2, and two, but Towson comes in at 8-1. and one. All right, so they, at least based on their record, they're not slouches either. And the uh, Tigers 1-0. This is a 9 o'clock tip-off, Chris. Can you get up there for it and uh, <laughs> give us some coverage? 9 o'clock tip, Who only because it's on the ACC Regional Network. Um, and I was telling somebody last night that there should not be a game that starts later than 7 o'clock local time in terms of basketball. I think that uh, there's was me no reason. That. I mean, there's no yeah. reason for them to tip off at nine o'clock tonight. If if this were Clemson and North Carolina on ESPN, big huge matchup, I get it. But this is a non-conference game against a pretty good Towson team, but nonetheless, should not tip off at nine o'clock. I, I agree, but I mean, it's got to be for TV reasons only. Oh, there no won't doubt. be a bunch mm-hmm. of fans there, I don't think. We'll hit the break. We'll come back in just a moment here on Sports Talk. <laughs> All right, we're at Dave and Buster's here in Myrtle Beach, and the question is, why aren't you if you're not here? Now, a lot of folks are here, man. Folks have been streaming in throughout our time on the air, obviously listening to sports talk and saying, we got to get in Dave and Buster's, get something to eat and watch some sports and have something to drink and play some arcades. They got some great arcade games here, too. I'm kind of secondary. You don't have to see me. (laughs) Just come on in. And, in fact, most people who walk in just sort of walk past me and ignore me, kind of like um, I'm, I'm like the um, – like, what's that at the, at the hotel? The kind of uh, – the, the, the concierge. Con- concierge. Yeah, the concierge. You know how you walk into a hotel, just ignore the concierge? Unless you need them for something. That's kind of how I am over here. But that's okay. I'm glad folks are coming in, enjoying themselves, having a big time here at the Dave & Buster's. At Celebration um, Celebration Circle, over here at the mall, uh, at the uh, in downtown Myrtle Beach, Broadway, the big mall, can't mm-hmm. miss it. Dave and Buster's is a huge, huge building, and uh, inside it's it's roomy, and it's it's amazing. You got so much going on, but you can still sit down and have a nice, quiet meal away from it all and enjoy yourself. So, we invite you out here to the location in Myrtle Beach. And, by the way, the, the manager here, Steve, he's the gentleman who's really big into um, giving back to the community. The Make-A-Wish Foundation is something he's heavily involved with. He's got some sports memorabilia by the uh, entrance that you can look at and, and put a, a bid on, a silent auction type thing. Very cool. Some really neat stuff. So check that out as you come in as well. All right. Dabo Sweeney coming up uh, shortly. Uh, let's see, Towson, the preseason favorite to win the CAA, mm-hmm. so Clemson had better yes, play some good basketball <laughs> This tonight. will not be a piece of cake tonight because you, you look at how well the college has played thus far, and the college was picked fourth in the Colonial, and Towson's yeah. picked to win it. So uh, this will be a challenge for sure. You, you may not know much about Towson, but they're a good basketball team. All right, let's go to Tommy in Somerville. First call tonight here on Sports Talk. Tommy, welcome in. Good to have you with us. Hey, guys. Hey, I always listen to you, first-time caller. Hey, got a question here. I know I'd, I'd heard it. Somebody over there said it a second ago, but 
obviously, if uh, Satterfield was was fired, I mean, obviously the offense had been struggling pretty much all year long. Got ruined by Florida, you know, uh, Missouri. It just, you know, the typical predictable Carolina offense. Then all of a sudden, Tennessee game, Clemson game. I mean, it's like a whole different team. There's somebody, somebody else had a big hand in calling those plays. Now, as long as I've been alive and coaching and playing ball, there ain't nobody could tell me that there wasn't another hand in that play call. It and I, I'm like y'all. I really like to know who it was. So that's pretty much why I'm calling. Um, also wanted to comment on uh, Stogner leaving, uh, these tight ends leaving. Uh, Bell looks like he's leaving. Um, why? I just I ain't quite figuring out why these guys are leaving. If it's because of the NIL money or there's something I'm missing. But I enjoy your show every night, and I'll be listening for you for your comments. Thanks, guys. Well, thank you. Uh, we appreciate that. Well, first of all, keep in mind that Shane Beamer, on the record, has said, both after Clemson and Tennessee, I believe, that Marcus Satterfield called the plays. Yes. So, I mean, if you believe your coach, if you're a Gamecock fan, if you believe your coach, then that's the answer. Okay, now is he covering up? Maybe, maybe not. I don't know. like to take him at his word, mm-hmm. but that's what he said. That's why I'll be interested to ask him, or maybe somebody else will ask him. I don't have to ask him. Maybe somebody else will. If somebody doesn't, I will. And that is, did you tell Marcus Satterfield that he was done after the Florida game? If that were the case, I mean, why would you keep him? The morale would have been lousy. You tell a guy he's fired, um, usually you go ahead and let him pack up and leave, and you you put somebody else in the in his place right. and, and let right. it go from there. I. I but, anyway, that's just what was written on the Gamecock website by one of their writers. And uh, that's open for question. When you make that kind of statement, that's open for conjecture. It's open for question. So, we'll find out. We'll ask and see what answer we get. As far as departures, there's all kind of factors. NIL, tampering, playing time, don't like it there, don't like your coach, don't like your position coach. There's all kind of things that come into play. Um, the NIL stuff is certainly a, po- a, a, a is possibly a part of it. I, I I read something yesterday about Jaheim Bell. I'm trying to remember where I read it, but they said that part of the reason he left was South Carolina didn't put together a big enough NIL uh, plan for him. He wasn't he wasn't making enough from the the NIL stuff that South Carolina does. Which, I mean, I don't know how much you're supposed to make. How much are you supposed to make? What do you expect to make as a college player? You expect to make a million dollars? 500000 I mean, what's, what's the asking price? What's the expectation? I mean, you're Jaheim Bell. I mean, you're a good player. You're not the number one pick in the draft. Right. Right? Now, I he's mean, got he's a mother bring- and, an, and an uncle who are very loud on social mm-hmm. media, tooting his horn and reacting to everything that goes against him. Um, but, I mean, you know, what is right when it comes to something like that? And, Phil, he's a great example of this uh, point I'm about to bring up. Are, are we going to get to a point where NIL is set up where quarterbacks make X, Y, Z money 
and then tailbacks make you know YZA money, and then the wide receivers make a certain salary, and for lack of a better term, I don't know any other way to phrase this, but a, a salary. And is it going to be sort of a, a structure where it, each position, and then if you're somebody like Jaheim Bell, and you're not making as much because you're labeled as a tight end, are you upset because, hey, I ran the ball more than I caught the ball. I should be labeled a running back, so therefore I should get running back money. I mean, where is this going? If that's the problem, if that is the, indeed the biggest problem with, with NIL, are you, cons- are you upset because you didn't get the same amount of opportunities that Spencer Rattler did and maybe to carry on Joyner to throw out a name or, um, you know, uh, Boogie Huntley? You know, there, there are so many players on that team, but uh, we're going to get to a point on down the road where they slot people in, much like they do, you know, in the NFL with the draft. You get slotted yep. into a certain, certain pay scale. Are we going to do that with position players? Well, guys, uh, to help answer your question here, sorry, Phil, real fast. uh, If on three and their NIL valuations have any say in it, they have already put together a database with this. And I'm looking here. They have it by school, University of South Carolina. And this is across all sports. Uh, Jaheim Bell is listed as the number 11th highest rated person in terms of value at $77,000 estimated per year. That is what they assume he could make upwards of per year he's in college. And it looks like the way they they computed that was a mixture of his total followers across all social media platforms, which is roughly right. 42,000 yeah. people. And then they are able to compute that to roughly $620 per post. Now, how that's coming to be, where exactly that money is coming from, I don't have all those answers. But, uh, but to answer your question, there is already a, a site compiling that together and they are estimating his value at 77 grand right yeah okay (laughs) take that for what it is i I don't know how you come up with that but (laughs) so be it that's what it is that's what it is okay uh thank you Uh, i think we answered all the questions there so yeah there's an any number of reasons why a a guy decides to or gal decides to up and leave and, and transfer somewhere else and thank you for your phone call call us again let's go to um we can go to uh, our next caller, which is Stephen in Columbia. Stephen, welcome into Sports Talk. Good to have you with us. Hey, Phil. Yes, sir. I just I didn't want you to fret over Clemson's running back recruiting. Um, I don't want you to. I couldn't sleep get, last night. Concerned. I was tossing and turning. I know. Well, the NIL thing is. I mean, we're we're living in the twilight zone. This is just so. Wild Wild West idiocy, but you know you understand that running backs want to play. They want to play as soon as they hit campus, and very uh, they want to play a lot of a lot of snaps, and that's not going to happen with Shipley and with Mafa. But um, you know the recruiting hasn't been up to par with C.J. Spiller, I don't think, but. You know, when you're behind those people, I don't think there's a whole lot of kids that want to come there. You've got teams like Miami that are shoveling out all kind of money. You've got teams like Texas A&M that spent more money than anybody on NIL. You see how that turned out for them. And Clemson's still in the top ten in recruiting. So they're doing something right. Um, they probably got the best defensive line in the nation. Um, so I don't know if they need to buy these mercenaries. And next thing you know, somebody else, somebody always has more money. So it might be a one-year deal or a half-a-year deal, but you don't want to destroy destroy your culture. So 
So I'm happy with the way our recruiting is going. Thank you. Thank you very much. Yeah, that's true. You don't want to destroy your culture. And you cannot, however, in today, you, you, if you don't adapt, okay, then your culture is not going to be worth spit. I mean, it's nice to have a nice culture and it's nice to, you know, be proper. And But if, you're, if you start missing out on the players in big numbers, like you, you, you missed out on your quarterback target for 24. He committed to Florida today. Was that an NIL deal too? Is that the reason Clemson didn't get him? Langway from, uh, Lagway from Willis, Texas, he committed to Florida. Did Florida put together a better NIL opportunity for him? I don't know. I don't know the story about that. I'm just seeing more and more top Clemson targets, and I'm talking about the primo targets that they used to nail, like the, the offensive lineman from Utah. I know it was a stretch, you know, but they brought him in and uh, they went hard after him uh, and he committed to Utah last night. Um, now, obviously, you got the local angle there and all that. I get that one. But those are the kind of, those are the kind of ones Clemson used to normally get. Now, I know they've got Peter Woods coming in from Alabama and the, the lineman from, from Georgia and all that coming in. Yeah, they got some good-looking guys there. And this class is fine. But it's the future you got to think about. It's 24-25 now where the, the NIL really, I don't think it manifested itself greatly in this recruiting class, the 23, because it's still relatively new. But I think now the 24 and 25 and beyond guys are, are well aware of what NIL is all about and how, you know, to play one school against another and, and use that from a recruiting standpoint. Even though they say you're not supposed to use it to recruit a player, you know it's being used to recruit everybody. And if you're not playing the game in the big way at the highest level with the big boys, you're going to get left behind, I think. It might take a little bit of time, but eventually it'll catch up with you. So and we'll see how Phil, Clemson reacts to all that. And Phil, to our caller's point about players wanting to play, DJ Lagway, did he look at Clemson and see Christopher Vizina sitting Basically, coming in next season is going to basically, if unless uh, you know, the current setup is is changes dramatically, and we don't see Klubnik play for the next three years as the starter, does he just not want to sit on the bench for a couple of seasons? I mean, does he does he look at Florida as a much better opportunity to go play and play now, as opposed yeah, to but months Florida? Ago? Florida's already got a stud quarterback commitment. They they turned a big time quarterback. Um, a few weeks ago, I had to go back and look him up, but mm-hmm. uh, they turned him away from Miami. They grabbed a, a quarterback away from Miami, I think, and he's a, a highly – everywhere you go at that level, you're going to find competition. Sure. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, if you're, if you're trying to run from competition, then who wants you to begin with, you know? All right, thank you for the phone call. Phil, uh, 888-898-2525 is the number. Sorry, real quick, just to tell you, you were thinking of Jaden mm-hmm. Rashada, by the way, I, I think at least, but he's out of, out of – uh, out of California for Florida. That's their biggest commit right now coming in. But keep in mind, Florida just but wasn't lost he two committed to Miami? Wasn't uh, he committed to Miami? Rashada? That, let's see here. Yes, he was. You are correct. That's exactly well, right. Well, thank you yep. very much. Go for you. Thank you very much. But keep in mind, they just lost their – not only did Richardson commit to the – or declare for the NFL draft, but then their backup, Kitna, of course, we don't even want to talk about. Uh, what He was arrested and no longer a part of the university or the program. Uh, behind that, they have three walk-ons. So – 
depth at quarterback is not very strong at Florida at the moment. Right, right. But, I mean, Clemson, you've got Klubnik for next year, and then uh, coming in in the 23 class, you got Vazina. Mm-hmm. Now, Lagway's in the 24 class. He still has another year of high school. Right. Right? He's a 20, he's 24 kid. So, I mean, I don't know. Um, every, anywhere you go you, at, at that level, uh, at the top level, you're going to find good quarterbacks there waiting for you, waiting ahead of you, I, I would think. Um, I guess maybe he looked at the Florida situation and, and thought it, be, it better because there are fewer uh, big-time quarterbacks in there right, right now. But Florida's not going to stop recruiting quarterbacks. They're going to continue to recruit high-level quarterbacks, as was as will Clemson. Okay, let's go to the break, and we'll come back with more. 888-898-2525. Still to come, we'll hear from Dabo Sweeney and our two coaches here in the Touchstone Energy Cooperatives Bowl. Our game is Saturday. The airtime is 12 o'clock. The kickoff will be 1230. Weather should be okay. Should be like in the 60s. I don't think we're going to have – a, a large amount of rain between now and then, so we should be good. We invite you to come down to the beach and take it in in person. And we'll be back after the break. I'm attorney Jim Corbett. I love sports, and I've helped people for over 30 years. Contact me at jim at jimcorbettattorney.com when the insurance company won't pay your claim or you have complicated issues. Some other business causes your business to lose money? Jim at jimcorbettattorney.com. When you lose a relative and find out you got cut out of a will or don't get what was promised. When you have serious injury, like from a wreck or mishap or on the job. Jim at jimcorbettattorney.com. In Columbia, South Carolina, game days are our specialty. Whether you're watching the game from inside the stadium or from the big screen at your favorite local spot, the energy remains the same. Craft the perfect fall Saturday in a city where there is plenty of action on and off the field. From tubing and kayaking to Soda City to rooftop restaurants and plenty barbecue. We're ready when you are. Plan your weekend at experiencecolumbiasc.com. Hi, this is Major Billy Downer with DNR, and coming up tonight at 7.30, another edition of SC Wild on the Sports Talk Radio Network. Hope, life, and the great Palmetto. What do these things have in common? Scholarship dollars. The SC Hope, the life, and the Palmetto Fellow Scholarships are funded by the lottery players of this great state. And after 20 years, you've invested over $7 billion in education. Seven billion dollars. Impressive. The South Carolina Education Lottery. When you play, we all win. South Carolina's taste buds have spoken, and they're asking for beef. There are more than 7,800 farms raising cattle from pasture to plate in the Palmetto State. So whether it's steaks on the grill before the big game, sirloin medallions played it for date night, or burgers with a family, make sure beef is a part of your playbook this football season. Smoke, grilled, and slow roasted. Find the best way to enjoy your beef at seccattle.org. Beef. It's what's for dinner in South Carolina. Funded by the South Carolina Beef Council, part of the Beef Checkoff Program. Listen. 
Well, it's okay with everybody. Uh, we'll do recruiting here on Sports Talk, and then we'll get back to your phone calls and hear from those coaches coming up. Recruiting brought to you by Seawells. Please get by and enjoy the daily luncheon buffet over at Seawells in Columbia, Rosewood Drive, across from the fairgrounds, right across from the Rocket. If you get lost, just meet your family at the Rocket. How many kids have been found at the Rocket over at the state fairgrounds? Right across the street from the Rocket is uh, Seawells. So that's how you can find. You find the Rocket, you can find Seawells. But you won't find a buffet at the Rocket. You have to go to Seawells to find the buffet for only $13. And, of course, it's the best in town. And for the very best in the catering world, that is Seawells at 803-771-7385 online at SeawellsCateringSC.com. couple of updates on players. Running back Robert Henry of Jones College, Junior College in Mississippi, the winner of the inaugural Walter Jones Award is the top player in all of junior college football this season. Long story short, he committed on Twitter to Jacksonville State yesterday, then took it down and decommitted to them, to Jacksonville State. South Carolina has been heavily involved, and he talked to Montario Hardesty, and he told him, Hardesty did, don't go to Jacksonville. You're much bigger than that, Henry said. And he says, I, I let him know I messed up. He said, I know I'm a big-time player. I can play on the biggest level. He said, I, I want to be at South Carolina. That's what I told him. And, and hopefully that's going to work out. That's what he wants to do. Well, today Hardesty met with him in person at the school, had an in-person visit with him. The two talked about visiting this weekend. He's waiting as of late this afternoon to hear back from Hardesty to see if He's going to come in this weekend, and if so, he'll probably go ahead and commit. He led junior college with 1,302 rushing yards and 18 touchdowns this season. He also caught 19 balls for 128 yards. Latest on South Florence quarterback Lenoris Sellers, who had a sensational state championship game and a sensational season. Syracuse and the USC staffs were present Saturday to watch him play, of course, He's been committed to Syracuse, and that remains the case. He has communicated with South Carolina. He said a good bit. They are still in communication. Shane Beamer FaceTimed him yesterday, telling him how he would fit with the offense, how he really wants him to stay home. He said that um, he's not sure about an in-home with South Carolina, but they do uh, want him to, uh, to take a visit. Nothing's been set up yet. Syracuse coach Dino Babers and some staff members were also in for the game, and they are coming in for an in-home visit with him on Saturday. That's going to be sandwiched between a trip to Myrtle Beach for the Mr. Football Award announcement and his departure for the Shrine Bowl in Spartanburg. The commitment to Syracuse remains in place at this point. He said, I still feel pretty strong about it. He said, but then again, you never know. Things can change. Stuff can happen. He finished this season with 2,948 passing yards and 45 touchdowns, and he rushed for 1,338 yards and 22 touchdowns. He had quite the year, and we'll see what happens with that as things play out. I mentioned that Clemson target 2024 quarterback D.J. Lagway Willis, Texas, committed to uh, Florida today. 
And another Clemson target, 23 offensive tackle Spencer Fano of Provo, Utah, committed to Utah. USC and Clemson target, 2025 offensive tackle David Sanders of Charlotte, was offered by Alabama. And that is that on Sports Talk so far tonight in recruiting. Check it out on our website, sportstalksc.com, on Twitter at sportstalksc. All right. Let's get back to your phone calls before we hit the top of the hour. We go to a Gamecock Larry who promises to be short. Gamecock Larry in Swansea. Gamecock Larry, how are you, sir? Yes, sir. Let me get this. Uh, who called the plays? Let me put it to rest. I got my Gamecock Research Committee. I've been having work working on this. And there's highway people in there. I mean, they, they know what they're doing. Well, I got the word today from the head of my committee, or head of the Gamecock Committee, Dr. Macon, real well-known doctor out there at the VA. He called me today and told me Satterfield did call the place. So that should put it all over. I know what it, he Satterfield called the place, but Beamer had a mighty long talk with him before the game, so that should let him know Satterfield called the place. Well, I am so happy that you settled that. Now, can you tell us who shot President Kennedy? Do you have that information handy? Can you settle that argument? Lee, Lee Harvey Oswald, but it wasn't Oswald. Oswald pulled the trigger, but uh, 10-2 shot him. 10 2 All right. Thank you. We'll be back. Welcome back to Sports Talk on the Sports Talk Media Network. You can reach the guys with the South Carolina Education Lottery lucky number, 888-898-2525. That's 888-898-2525. Now back to Phil, Chris, and Pat with the second hour of Sports Talk on the Sports Talk Media Network. All right, having a blast here at Dave & Buster's. In Myrtle Beach, get on down and enjoy Dave and Buster's here or in Greenville or in uh, Columbia. Uh, you will not be disappointed and invite you to, to come in and visit any of those three locations across the state of South Carolina. We continue our time here in Myrtle Beach leading up to the Touchstone Energy Cooperatives Bowl Saturday, high noon on our network, 1230 is the kickoff. And don't forget at halftime, the announcement of Mr. Football of South Carolina, the only place that you can hear it live in time, right? Right as it's happening. I can tell we'll you who it's going to be right now. Right then and there. <laughs> Is well, this really going to be a surprise? If Lenora Sellers doesn't win this by a landslide, it's one of the great travesties of the, the history uh, of the see, award. And you're from Florence, so that's why I think Jarvis Green's got a good argument. I mean, there's... There's others who have. There's nobody have who's good been, arguments. been a better, had a better season, and greater impact on his football team than Lenore Sells. You take him off of South Florence's team, they may not make the playoffs, much less win the mm-hmm. state. I mean, that's yeah. how big a deal that's he true. is. There's, there's no yeah. question he's the best player in the state, and it's not even close. 
Yeah, yeah. I, I will not argue with that. He had, a, he had a great year, and I would not be surprised if he wins it. True. Okay, today down in Fort Lauderdale, or were they in Miami? Down in South Florida, <laughs> the Orange Bowl had the two head coaches on hand to talk about the matchup of Clemson and Tennessee. Here is a little bit from Clemson coach Dabo Sweeney down there in Florida. Probably made some recruiting stops while he was making the trip over there to wherever they were uh, holding this. Uh, here is some uh, Dabo Sweeney from this uh, press conference, obviously talking about the matchup with Tennessee, maybe a little bit about where his team is at this stage in exams and getting ready to start practice this weekend. Dabo Sweeney. It's going to be a great trip, um, and, you know, uh, the game will be an awesome game. I mean, this is, you know, Tennessee, both programs really, I mean, to me this is a playoff game. Uh, you know, and in a couple of years it would be a playoff game. Uh, so both of these teams have been in the, you know, in the, in the mix for the playoff all year. And both, uh, you know, have had great years. Uh, but what Josh has done at Tennessee is, is incredible. I mean, he's, he, I grew up watching Tennessee. He's made Tennessee, Tennessee again. And uh, so, you know, it's, it's good and bad, uh, you know, because you, you know it, that they're really, really talented. They've got a great scheme. He's got a great staff and uh, got a lot of respect for everything that they do. And, and uh, you know, a lot of great memories here at the at the bowl game. My first one was in 99. I remember uh, it was turning Y2K. And uh, my wife uh, was pregnant with my middle son, uh, who's now 23 next, next, uh, next month. Uh, so it was turning. And remember, the whole world was supposed to, like, end, I think. <laughs> And, uh, you know, everything was going to, like, shut down. It was like, you know, you better go get some cash. And those of you over 50, you can remember that. And uh, I just remember we were at whatever hotel we were in, and we were playing Michigan. And I remember just standing there as the clock was ticking midnight. And, and you know, I'm like, well, babe, this is it. It's, gonna, it's about to happen. And it's kind of like, you know, when Chevy Chase went to the to the Grand Canyon, he's like, yeah, Rusty, that's the Grand Canyon. All right, let's go. And uh, nothing happened. And I was like, all right, let's go to bed. Uh, so, uh, but that was an amazing game. That was Tom Brady's last game. And we came out on the short end of that. We missed an extra point in overtime. But he took them down the field with about a minute and a half to tie the game, if, that, if you can believe that or not. Uh, so uh, that's one of my notables of life as I was – coaching against Tom Brady in his last college game, and I didn't know, even know who he was, really, uh, other than he was their quarterback. But a lot of great memories, good and bad, you know, on the field. But nobody does it better uh, than the Orange Bowl, and we're just thankful to have the opportunity. Our team has worked hard to get here, as has Tennessee, and sure it'll be a great week and a, and a great competition. Both of you said when this was announced that you're going to be in the Orange Bowl that this was important to our program. You're not in the playoffs, so why is this game the Orange Bowl important to both of your programs? Either coach can start, please. Well, I mean, I think postseason's always important. Uh, you know, only four teams get to go to the playoff. Uh, there's, there's 131, I think, Division I teams. So, you know, this is an opportunity to compete at the highest level. I mean, this is the Orange Bowl. Uh, I mean, this is, uh, this is one of the greatest traditional uh, bowls in all of college football. Um, and so to have an opportunity to, to – to finish your season, to compete at the highest level, um, you know, for your seniors to be able to showcase themselves one more time against uh, a great opponent, for your young players to have an opportunity to experience this stage. 
uh, it's special. So, you know, it's 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 the tradition of college football, you know, to be a part of it. And, you know, so it's uh, you get a chance to play one more time and it's what we do. You know, we we, we, we like to play. And so we got one more opp opportunity to play. Dabo, your team comes in scoring just about 35 points a game. Josh, your team leads the nation in scoring. Can we expect a shootout to, to some degree? <laughs> if you're playing Tennessee, you better score. Uh, so that's all I know. If we don't score, we got no chance because uh, these guys, they not only score a lot of points, they score really fast. Uh, so it's uh, unbelievable, really. And I haven't had a chance to really dive deeply into them, but I've watched them all year long. And, uh, I mean, it's, it's incredible. You know, they do an amazing job, and they've scored on everybody, uh, everybody. So um, you – I don't think it'll be a 6-3 game. Uh, so, you know, all I know is 35 is probably not enough for the Tigers, so we better, we better find a way to score some points. Yeah, well, can you pull the curtain back? Was there a time when maybe you gave them too much leniency at a bowl game where they, uh, where they went out and you thought, maybe I should have uh, not been so lenient? You know, I learned a lot as a player. <clears throat> I was in a lot of bowl games as a player, and um, – one of the things that I learned was from Coach Stallings in 1990, we went out to Arizona in the Fiesta Bowl and played Louisville. And um, we had no curfew. Uh, he had been in the pros for like 18 years. And uh, I was a sophomore. And we had no curfew. Um, <laughs> and so, we, well, I just remember, uh, you know, the night before the game and, and some of the things and I'm like, we we had, we we're going to get killed, and they had this quarterback named Browning Nagel, um, and I think we made him a first rounder that day. But they destroyed us, and uh, but you know, and it was Coach's first bowl game. He had, like I said, hadn't been in college in a long time, and that all changed the next year. Uh, in fact, the next year we were right down here in Fort Lauderdale at the Blockbuster Bowl playing Colorado, and uh, it was a whole different deal. And so I, I had the two perspectives as a player uh, and then obviously, you know, as a coach, I've been in a lot of them, both at Alabama and, and at Clemson. And, you know, I think you have to have um, – you got to have – you want to you wanna have – let them have some fun and they need to enjoy the experience. I'm, I think that's very important. This is college and, and that's – you want them to enjoy this college experience and make great memories. and and all the things that come with it, but you also have to have some structure for them uh, to help them all the way up till game day to get ready. So as Josh was saying, I mean, there's a lot that goes into these few weeks, a lot. Uh, you know, from, I mean, they got finals next week. We're, we're trying to practice. Uh, we're trying to recruit. We got signing day. So it's a kind of a weird calendar this year. So you just have to be smart with them. And, and as he said, you want to work on the opponent. You want to work on going back to some basics of some things that you do. Uh, you want to develop your young guys. We'll have some, what we call JV practice and, uh, you know, work some of those younger guys and take advantage of that. So there's a lot that goes into getting ready to play the game uh, all the way up until you kick it off. And I think how you manage that is important. Uh, but, you know, as far as my own personal experience, I think the biggest thing, the biggest regret that I may have just as a head coach was you know maybe trying to do too much um i do think less is more in these type of games and this type of uh deals but so you've got a team that's played 13 games um and it always depends too some years your your roster is is younger or older uh so you got to have a feel for that but 
um, you know, this is this is a, a, an opportunity for both teams to grow our team, you know, and you, you start over every year. And so it's an opportunity for a great finish, but also create momentum and value and uh, experience going into the, to the next the next season. Hmm. Okay, uh, Dabo Sweeney, some of his comments, all of it up on the website, along with Josh Heupel, all of it up on the website, sportstalksc.com. As we go to break, come back and hear from the uh, coaches here in Myrtle Beach. But Drake May has put out a tweet. He's put out a tweet. Uh-oh. And his tweet is, could never leave this place. I'm a Tar Heel. So he is not going anywhere, and we will be back. However, his teammate, cornerback Storm Duck, who's out of Boiling Springs, has entered the portal. And we're back in a moment. Touchstone Energy Cooperative members save more, more on electricity, and members save more on insurance, groceries, healthcare, restaurants, travel, concerts, and sporting events through co-op connections. Touchstone Energy is an alliance of the member-owned electric cooperatives, and as a member, the power is yours. Experience the power of co-op membership with Touchstone Energy, and find out how much you can save on electricity and a whole lot more at touchstoneenergy.com. When your day calls for some winning, why not watch your favorite football team at Dave & Buster's? We've got massive HDTVs and hundreds of the hottest new games. Sit from our chef-crafted cocktail menu with exclusive drinks such as the Strawberry Watermelon Margarita or Dangerous Waters. Cheer on the team with Cantina Nachos or Wings featuring one of our 12 wing flavors. When your day calls for some winning, it's time for Dave & Buster's where you can watch the games and play the games. Locations in Greenville, Columbia, and Myrtle Beach. Hi, this is Major Billy Downer with DNR. And coming up tonight at 7.30, another edition of SC Wild on the Sports Talk Radio Network. Show your team pride wherever you go with Founders Federal Credit Union's Collegiate Debit Cards. Get your University of South Carolina and Clemson University debit cards at any Founders office or by calling 1-800-845-1614. Plus, our debit cards are digital wallet ready, so you can pay however you please. Not a member? Visit RelaxJoinFounders.com or one of our 37 convenient locations to see if you qualify for membership. Terms and conditions apply. Founders Federal Credit Union is federally insured by NCUA. Life, it has its ups and downs. Sometimes it's little things like hitting every red light or dropping your cell phone. Maybe it's the bills, rent, or pressure at work. But when it comes to the South Carolina Education Lottery, you should never feel like playing will solve everything. The lottery is a game. It's played for fun. So set a dollar amount. Expect not to win and make sure responsibilities, family, friends, and work come first. Visit PlayResponsiblySC.com. We're with Major Billy Downer of DNR. Of course, hunting is very popular across the state of South Carolina, Major Downer. What things should our hunters be thinking about before they get out in the fields? It seems like every other show we're talking about hunting safety of some sort. Whether it's turkey season or deer season, hunters always need to be aware of the target. Make sure before you pull that trigger that you know what you're looking at. Whether it's a turkey during turkey season or a deer during deer season, you know your identifying features of your game. You know what's beyond that target in case you miss. Learn more about the great outdoors in South Carolina with Major Billy Downer on SC Wild here on the Sports Talk Media Network.
Okay, we are back with you here on Sports Talk at Dave and Buster's in Myrtle Beach here for the Touchstone Energy Cooperatives Bowl on Saturday. Practice began today with two workouts for both teams. Let's hear from the head coaches. Let's start with Coach Robin Bacon of Spring Valley, now retired, but coaching the North. And here is what he had to say about what he saw from his team in the first two practices. Uh, really impressed with our kids. Uh, I think they did a great job coming in. We were able to go, uh, I think as a staff, have a great plan, get playbooks to them as soon as possible. Um, they're, they're great listeners. Uh, they're, I think the most impressive thing for me, Phil, not only are they great players, but they come from great programs and they want to learn. They ask questions, um, high character kids. You know, we say, hey, you need to be here at 9 o'clock. They were there at 845. And that speaks volumes for what their parents, their schools, and what they've done. So I've been really impressed with their enthusiasm, the way they learn. What are you trying to do on the offense? I think offensively we're trying to spread the ball out as much as we can. We feel really good about our two quarterbacks and our skill position guys. Um, you know, we've got some really talented backs. Um, you know, obviously they've got five really good running backs over there. So we want to do whatever we can to keep them off the field. Um, we're very balanced. I think we're 50-50 pass run. Um, you know, obviously the defense has an advantage when you have five days of practice. Uh, so we try to simplify things as much as we can. We went to wristbands, which I thought was a great idea. Uh, we talked about that just to make it a little bit simpler so there wasn't a lot of things. You know, the one thing in, in all-star games when you'll have five practices is uh, that can be paralysis from over-analysis. So you want to make it simple. You know, as, as coaches sometimes, you know, uh, you, you want to make things complicated. I think the biggest thing for us, we just want to make it real simple for these guys. Absolutely. Your two quarterbacks, break them down. What do you like about them? Both very heady guys, come from great programs, very smart. Um, they understand the offense. That was one of the things when we were looking for what we wanted to do is we wanted guys that were in systems that um, you know could, could move the ball around. Um, they're big, tall, smart, athletic guys. Um, they've done everything we've asked for them in two days. Um, and, you know, kind of, I'll be honest with you, we're ahead of the game, I consider, in two days. Now, we'll see what happens Saturday, but right now, after two days, I'm really impressed with what we've done. Are you able to do much physical contact in this short week? You know, it, it, it's kind of a double-edged sword. You want them to bang because you only get five days. But for some of these guys, they've been off for three or four weeks. Mm -hmm. You know, some of these kids didn't make the playoffs. So you got to be careful. We want to just kind of slowly walk them in. We banged a little bit uh, more this afternoon than we did this uh, – or excuse me, this afternoon than we did this morning just mm -hmm. to kind of get them in there. But, you know, it, it's you got to be careful. You know, you only got 44 guys. You lose one or two here guys off the offensive and defensive line, and things change real quickly. But, uh, you know, we'll probably pick it up a little bit more tomorrow. Um, you know, Thursday, but then we'll kind of back off on Friday. Have you got a feeling about what to expect from your counterparts? Well, Justin and I are best friends, so I got an idea what he wants to run or whatever. You know, no offense when you got five running backs, and I think between the five of them, they got something like thirteen or 14,000 yards, and God knows how many touchdowns. I think they're going to try to run the ball. So, uh, you know, that was kind of, you know, when we were picking the teams, and I started kind of having an idea who they were going to play. We kind of devised our defense of what we want to do, but we're going we're gonna to have to stop the ball. I mean, I think they're going to try to line the ball up and run the ball, and you know, we've got to be very aggressive. Um, you know, I think offensively, you know, uh, I think our skill guys, I've been really impressed with our skill guys in two days of practice. So it's it's going to be interesting. But I think they're going to try to run the ball. And, you know, we've got to be physical up front and uh, and obviously control, control the line of scrimmage. Did you select players to fit that mold? And what about uh, what you got in the secondary? Yeah, I, I'll tell you what. I mean, this is probably as good as secondary. I, you know, there's some of these guys that we had on our list that we thought were better on the shrine, than the Shrine Bowl kids. So we felt really fortunate with what we've got. We've got some big, tall, lean guys that run. They're physical. Um, you know, they're going to be matchup problems for some of their guys. Now, they've got some three or four really tall receivers, about 6'3", 6'4". 
Um, but I'm really impressed with our defensive ends. I think we can get to the quarterback and we can get to the quarterback, shorten things up. You saw probably today we had three or four interceptions out there. So I, I'm excited about them. That's a good group. You personally, you announced that you're retiring. That's correct. And so practice tomorrow, practice Friday, game on Saturday. I mean, and then that's a coaching career at least for now. Do you think about that very much? I honestly don't. I love this game so much. It's given so much to me and my family. Um, I've been playing football since I've been five years old. Um, I definitely don't think I'll be out of football, I'll be honest with you. I mean, that's just me. I'm competitive. Hell, I'm, I, I want to be out there and, and get after people. That's just me. I mean, this to me is like a Christmas present, being able to be out here. Um, I'm enjoy every single day. These kids have, have given everything we've got. And I'll tell you the most important thing I probably hadn't said, it, our staff is phenomenal. This, this is as hard a working you know, great guys, they all get along, very impressed with them. I mean, you're talking about great, you know, several of these guys are state championship coaches. You've got two of them that played, one won a state championship, one played for a state championship. So this staff is really good. All right, the comments of Robin Bacon. For those of you watching the stream, you're seeing some of the highlights. Well, just a clip of the North team practice. Let's go to Coach Justin Gentry, head coach of the South from Chapin. Put his team through two practices today as well. His thoughts on the first day. A little rough start this morning. Uh, had a much better practice, and a lot of it has to do with installing, just getting comfortable with us and us getting comfortable with those guys and seeing what they can do. Uh, you know, we've pretty much got pretty much, I'd say, 75% of offense installed, all our special teams. So we're ahead of schedule now. We just got to keep getting better. You look at your roster offensively, you got some really good running backs. That's going to be the plan, line up and run it? Yeah, we, we're blessed in that department. Um, uh, Ian did an article earlier in the week with the thousands of yards that they've gotten, and it's astronomical. But uh, we've got we've got a great group back there, um, you know. So they got they got an offensive line that's that's doing the work for them, and and they're blessed with a lot of God's given abilities, and and they've been fun to watch first two day uh, practices. Will the plan be to rotate those guys in, or do you want to find somebody gets that hot hand and ride him for a little bit? Uh, we're trying to figure that out. Um, we we rotated a couple of them are really good on both sides of the ball. Um, so we rotated some guys to the defensive side of the ball or to another offensive position just so we can allow them plenty of reps these first two practices for us to evaluate them. Um, we'll start making some of those calls tomorrow. Um, right now, still a little early. We're trying to figure that out. But uh, what we've seen, we've been very impressed with, unfortunately, with all of them. <laughs> Fortunately and unfortunately. <laughs> Be a tough call. What about quarterback? Fill us in on your guys there, what you like about them, and uh, what you hope to get out of them. Zoltan and Tanner uh, are everything we thought they were going to be. Uh, we, we fell in love with them actually face-to-face down at the Somerville Combine this past spring, and um, they've been everything we expected them to be. Uh, Zoltan's a little little jet lag coming off of an official visit and uh, playing last Saturday, um, and, and Tanner's a little more, got a little pep in his step, but that, that'll come. Uh, it's not a negative. It's just it is what it is. It's, it's football. Um, but both those guys have been tremendous. Uh, the guys are, are – or um, uh, gathering around them per se, you know they're they're following in behind them, and uh, so that's what you want back there at that position with both of them. What'd you put together for your defense as far as where you see the strengths? Uh, our defensive line, our front seven. I mean, they're they're fast, a lot of speed. Uh, we we didn't necessarily go with the big scrapping guys, as you can tell from seeing out here. Um, we went with guys that are strong and fast, and that's what those seven guys can do for us up front. Our secondary, I mean, Brandon Cisse is, is phenomenal back there. And um, 
I mean, he, he has put on the show the first two practices. So we look for big things out of him. But um, our secondary is pretty good, but they had not had to do much these first two practices because of what we got up front. Yeah. You can't help but notice your kicker. Oh, wow. Punter and place kicker. Big-time leg. Yeah. Um, and he kind of came on the scene a little late with us. Um, you know, once once Shrine Boy, it was, you know, kind of narrowing things down. And, and when they uh, took the young man from St. James, we knew Jack was our guy. And, uh, man, has he not disappointed. Uh, from a punting standpoint, I've never seen anything like it. Um, you know, and that's what he's going to be. He's going to be a, a big-time punter one day. Um, so that's he's going to be able to flip a field for us. Yeah. But you don't want to have to do too much of that. No, no, no. I hope he doesn't play at all. Uh, as much as I like him. Uh, Except for extra points. <laughs> that's right. Uh, from a punt standpoint, yeah. I hope he doesn't see the field. But uh, no, but but he's a fine young man, too. Great personality. Uh, he's been a joy to be around. If you can tell, all the guys love him. So. Yeah. <laughs> Last thing, uh, what's it like for you to be the head coach in this all-star game, especially opposing a very close friend who, uh, you know, be coaching, I guess, maybe as a head coach, his his last game. Maybe he'll coach again somewhere down the road. Who knows? But right now he's he's calling it a career, uh, and you get to send him out with an L. Uh, that's that's my goal. I love him to death. He's a good friend of mine. Uh, I'd love to hire him too. I'd love to sit down and talk after all this. Yeah. But uh, nah, um, you know the 75th anniversary of this game, and and this has always been. Uh, you know, I've been very active with the coach association, the football coach association, and and just to be able to to be the head coach in this game is a unbelievable honor it's been a goal of mine since i started in this profession and uh what better way to go than than with you know robin at, on the other side so it's it's gonna be a treat all right there you go the uh, head coaches for the touchstone energy cooperatives bowl justin gentry of the south robin bacon from the north looking forward to seeing those two go head to head one more time like they said very close friends coaching right there in the Columbia area. Chris, Hard not to like those guys, Phil. You know, listening to them talk and the the joy that they're having this week coaching this All Star game. It's hard not to pull for both teams because they've they've got two really good coaches at at the helm. Well, let me tell you what's coming up for these kids too. Uh, well, tomorrow's a shopping spree at Target. They get a hundred and fifty dollars between the two of them to take a kid around Target and that's go so shopping awesome. with them. <laughs> so uh, cool. And that's huge. But then on Friday, they've got the uh, combine over at the stadium, and then they're going over to Top Golf, which is where we will be on Friday at Top Golf. A three-hour buffet is going to be provided to them, oh. and they all get to play golf there at Top Golf. Can you imagine that? They're going to have a blast. Okay, Chris, you're done, sir. Yes, sir. Enjoy it, guys. I will talk to you guys tomorrow. Thank you, S.C. Wild, with the major, Billy Downer, talking waterfowl and the end of deer season. That's coming up after the break. Now on Sports Talk, it's S.C. Wild with Major Billy Downer of the Department of Natural Resources. Major Downer is here to take your questions about the great outdoors in South Carolina. Give him a call at 888-898-2525. It's S.C. Wild from DNR on the Sports Talk Radio Network. Okay, welcome back into Sports Talk, everybody, here on the Sports Talk Media Network from Dave and Busters. Just talking to a, a very happy uh, couple that 
walking out of Dave & Buster's after having a terrific meal. Listening to Sports Talk, too. Appreciated that. So it is time to shift gears from all of that and welcome in once again for another edition of SC Wild from DNR here on Sports Talk. He is the major Billy Downer. Been a few weeks since we last had the major on with us, so I know he's got a lot to talk about with us tonight related to waterfowl in South Carolina, the end of deer season, and who knows what else. Major, good evening. How are you, sir? Great to hear your voice tonight. You may be Thanksgiving, I hear. It is great to have you with us as well. Where are you tonight? Uh, I am on the road right now, so we're mobile tonight. You're on. I, you're out on the road, and I'm on the road. Yeah, I didn't know if maybe you were out in a field somewhere doing something or, or traveling somewhere. No, not tonight. Traveling home from work. We're just going doing it live on the road. Um, you know, tonight just a little wrap up. Uh, we are. At 25 days to go in deer season, for those that may be counting that. Uh, once again in South Carolina, it's 70 degrees and yeah. <laughs> foggy. Gone is the cold weather, waiting on some cold weather again. It's it's just South Carolina, like we always say, if you don't like the weather today, just wait for tomorrow. It'll change. So yes. um, we're in that warm spell here. But interestingly enough, I'm hearing a lot of people talk about Deer are moving. Bucks are being seen a lot more on camera, on game cameras. Don't really understand why, but it seems like right now is a little activity uh, in the rut category and some nice deer being seen, potentially being taken also. And the late part of deer season, I've always said, you know, don't count your deer season out, particularly in December because a lot of folks quit hunting, pressure decreases, and when the pressure decreases, deer start showing back up sometimes. There's always that place that deer are going to go nocturnal with a lot of pressure, and they're going to stay nocturnal for the end of the year. But there are times when they'll come out and keep feeding, uh, keep food plots planted, and you'll have some success here late in the season. Remember, my daughter's big buck was killed the day after Christmas. So there's still some nice deer that can be taken late in the season. But it is warm. It's hard to go out. When you feel like you got to swap mosquitoes in December, but here we are again. Um, waterfowl season, our first season, or what we traditionally call the Thanksgiving season, has come and gone. We're in the break now, waiting on the second season. First season, um, you know, South Carolina up and down. If you don't have uh, some private impoundments, a lot of times the ducks are kind of sparse. Uh, we had some really good uh, hunts on our public lands. You hear me always talk about our waterfowl management areas uh, down the coast. And two that I would highlight tonight, the Cape, the old Santee Gun Club, uh, what we call the Cape Unit, and Bear Island. Both had really good hunts in December, excuse me, in November, during that Thanksgiving break there. Uh, Cape was the number one hunt, I think, on our records. The number one, they had four and a half ducks per man. Phil, you always love to know what a half duck looks like. I don't know. I'm still trying yes. to figure that out. But yes. four and a half ducks a man, I think Bear Island's behind it with three and a half or somewhere around there. Number one duck on, on uh, as far as in the bag was Gabwall at the Cape, which is a good indicator for us. Gabwall is a larger duck. 
more in the mallard size range. Um, they're not as big as a mallard, but they are a big duck. We call it, they we include them in the big duck category. Quality duck, uh, good meat, uh, good table fare. Uh, so those led the way behind those at the Cape was blue wing teal. On the coast, teal are always going to be in the top of the bag. And then behind that was shovelers, the old uh, smiling mallard, as they call them, or Mr. T you know, so um, they were uh, plentiful there as well. The Bear Island, pretty much blue wing and green wing teal were your number one, number two there, uh, with a few uh, model ducks scattered in there, not many so far this year. But teal, a big deal on the coast, a lot of teal. Our ponds, inland, a lot of ringnecks. Uh, continue to be what everybody's trading with the occasional uh, mallard. Mostly put out mallards a lot of times. These um, the the um, the mallards have basically been put out. But a lot of times, right now, some, a lot of gabwall, a lot of teal was big in the bag. Of course, all across the state and backwater areas, wood ducks are going to top the bag for most folks. Just go to beaver ponds. You're going to have some good wood duck hunting. It just depends on if you got water or not. I was talking to our state climatologist today in South Carolina. Is still considered to be in a moderate drought, um, which is hard to believe when you got water standing in the field, but not everywhere has that. So we're still low on river flows. Our river flows are down. So if river flows are down, you don't have backed up areas on rivers uh, with flooded backwaters, which are the places that wood ducks favorite, favor. So. Um, if you've got enough rain or you have the ability to flood an area, you may have some wood ducks there. But uh, for the most part, our river systems are typically kind of low right now, waiting on some rain. Typically late December, January, we'll get some rains in there. Things will fill up, and you'll see some activity on wood ducks pick up, pick up again. And, of course, all of our management areas will be open as we move through the year. The rest of the, as the season opens up here on the 12th of December. And through the end of January. So that's kind of our wrap up of the first duck season. Deer season, that's kind of where we are as far as, uh, you know, movement, weather. You know, duck season follows the same thing. When it's hot, nobody really wants to duck hunt. Everybody wants it to be cold. It's wintertime. We want it to be cold. Typically, we see cold weather uh, up north will push ducks down because severe wind, severe ice and snow will freeze areas that ducks like to feed in water areas, and they'll be pushed south. Uh, we haven't seen that this year yet. Now, there have been some push of some ducks, ringnecks that are typically here this time of year moving through to Florida or here. Uh, so there is some, uh, some ducks around, but not a lot of huge numbers from what I'm gathering so far. Mm -hmm. uh, but that's kind of where we are on waterfowl and deer season. Um, Phil, I know you got a question looming. You always do. What's on your mind? Well, the waterfowl situation. So the hunters like to get out when it's cold. It's not there yet. So as a result, are you seeing the population of the ducks growing in the typical areas where they come in and land, but because they're not being taken? When the, when the hunters do get out in number, there's going to be a huge supply for them to go after? Well, that's a great question, Phil, but our numbers of the waterfowl that we take are not based on waterfowl raised in this state. They're based on our waterfowl that are raised in Prairie, Canada. 
and the very pothole regions of the United States up in the uh, Midwest, up in North Dakota, from the Dakotas, and into Canada, and into the alluvial forest there. That's where our ducks, that's a duck factory. That's where Ducks Unlimited spends a lot of money trying to preserve that land up there. The really only ducks that we produce here in South Carolina are wood ducks. Um, so pressure is a factor in, in waterfowl success. If there's less pressure sometimes, there may be more ducks around. As pressure mm -hmm. increases, uh, ducks spread out. But uh, so there's a lot of factors in that. So that's a great question. And I know, and, and, and honestly, you wouldn't have known that, but waterfowl for us, again, are produced in the prairie potholes of Canada. And that's all based on rain. Um, do they have enough rain areas to nest? Is there enough cover to nest? And one of the huge factors in the last 15, 20 years that we've discovered is um, predators like uh, skunks, raccoons, foxes, things that eat eggs. I know you probably didn't know skunks eat eggs, but they do. Uh, and those are animals that target waterfowl nests and can damage our population that we see in the future by destroying the nest. So, of course, if there's not an egg, it can hatch. And therefore, it won't be a duck uh, in the end, you know, in the end of that process. The same way, similarly, water does help waterfowl nest better. It gives them areas to spread out. When there's less water, ducks concentrate. When ducks are concentrated, it's easier for predators to find them, mm -hmm. and therefore they can have an effect on the amount of waterfowl produced from nesting and the nest success. So a lot of information in there. Wood ducks for us, again, you know, they are they are our state duck. You know, hooded mergansers are also uh, there, but uh, the the wood ducks are a big duck that we raise here. You know, and I will mention this as a side note. In recent years, we have seen um, an increase in the black-bellied whistling duck uh, in our state, uh, coming up from Florida, that are actually nesting here. Um, and we've made, I've done several shows, and we'll, we'll bring back um, some of our waterfowl folks. And I'd like to talk about model ducks again, because that's a big, a big interest place for people, too, on the coast particularly. But the model duck is the duck that we brought here. We've talked about that before in the 80s. And um, we brought them up from Louisiana, Florida, mixed them around, and we brought them in here. And those ducks are now in the about 20,000 as a local population, which is significantly more than we thought. So they have a um, positive effect on what you might see, an opportunity for waterfowl hunters on the coast. They are a coastal duck. Our wood duck is from the coast to the, to the mountains, mouths to the sea. Our wood ducks are everywhere. So they're very popular and for the most part are our number one duck in the bag because of their um, locality across the state. Um, and their well, net um, success is based on holes in wood and trees. So, While we're talking about this, and, of course, you've got the holiday season, the next holiday season uh, coming up, not so sure that duck was eaten largely during the Thanksgiving season. That's the turkey time. But maybe in the upcoming holiday season, that might be a, uh, a meal that folks want to enjoy. Uh, give us one or two of your favorite recipes for preparing duck 
Uh, and, and also what a newcomer to eating duck might look for the first time they eat. What should they expect the taste to be like? So duck, like everything else, wild game has that quote-unquote gamey taste. Um, so you're going to want to generally marinate that meat in something that will infuse into the meat and give you some really good flavor. Now, um, most duck is pretty, the breast is the main piece. Uh, so the breast is really the meat you're getting out of that duck. And depending on the type duck, wood ducks, mallards, you get a pretty good sized breast. Mallard a lot more than you do in a wood duck. And then teal. But each duck has kind of a consistency to their meat that's a little different. I will tell you that sometimes diving ducks are tough, but ringnecks are very, very juicy as far as the meat. It's really, it really will take up a marinade real well. Um, but duck meat overall is, is, is really good for marinating. You're going to take that breast, and you, if it's a, a bigger breast, like a mallard breast, you're going to cut it in three slices, three equal pieces. And um, I like to cut the meat so that allows marinade to penetrate into the meat. So when you cut it in slices, it exposes some uh, that meat, the sinew open to where the meat's directly touching that marinade and soaks it up. You could also mm. take an injector, inject marinade in there. But my my really really simple, it's become one of my favorites, and most people that eat with me love this and they look forward to this. It's a simple teriyaki, just the old teriyaki marinade, uh, kick them on, whatever, and soak that breast and kick them on. For 24 hours, pull it out, wrap it in bacon, half piece of bacon per slice, stick a toothpick through it, um, put it on the grill, and um, you're going to grill that meat to medium to medium rare, warm pink to red center. It's okay. If you've frozen that meat, you're killing most of the bottoms. Now you're going to cook it, but you want that center to be warm pink to red, just the center, cooked on the outside. Uh, not overdone. Because game, when you overcook it, it becomes leather. You don't want that. When you pull right before you pull that meat off the grill, or as soon as you pull it off, you put it on a plate, you're going to take honey and huh. squeeze a dab of honey across the top of each marinated piece of that bacon. And that honey is going to fall over that so you get that sweet and salty taste. It's a great combination an easy marinade, easy to do, and it's absolutely great. Not a lot of honey, just a little squeeze, a little drop of honey on the, a little bit more than a drop, a little dab to cover that meat, and it just dries on there and creates, when it's warm, a really, really um, unique and really good flavor. So that's my favorite. I think that you should you should bottle that and call it the Major's Marinade. Huh? Bottle that and sell it, the Major's <laughs> yeah, yeah. Marinade. Now, the marinade that I also like, another one is, is basically using a soy sauce base, but it's called Allegro Game Tame. You can find that. It's made by Allegro. It's really a soy sauce base um, marinade, but, again, a lot of salt in it. Um, but you marinate the meat in that. Or <clears throat> I like Cajun injectables. In the Cajun injector, the Creole butter is a great one. Take the Creole butter, take your needle and inject that in there. A little bit of a hot spice butter, 
uh, into that meat. Again, you wrap that bacon um, and cook that and you just eat it right off the grill. Wild game is always best served right off the grill. Don't put it up. Don't expect it to stay warm. As soon as it comes off is when you eat it. And that's when it's mm-hmm. always best is fresh off the grill. I, mean, I, I don't know about Do you, Phil, but I love cooking a steak and having it right off yeah. the grill. So it's the same thing. Same premise no with question. wild meat. Do you now, as far as your fire is concerned, your grilling, do you you use briquettes or do you use wood or do you use mesquite? What do you like to put in there to cook it on? Uh, all right, so that's you know, it's your option. I've had it a number of ways. Um, you know, I typically cook on gas. Typically, my temperature is going to be about three fifty. Uh, it's going to be about. It depends on your grill and how fast your grill cooks. Everybody has to know their grill. Some grills, if they're small at 350, 10 and 10, you're done. 10 minutes, turn it over 10 minutes. If it's a bigger grill like mine, it's 20 and 20. It just depends on your grill. Again, you want to cook both sides, cook that bacon, but have it to a warm pink to red center on the mm-hmm. duck. And take the slice in their check basket to let you know where you're at. Um, my son loves a Traeger grill. You know, Traeger's been the new fad in the last few years, those wood if it's not a Traeger, the wood pelletized grills. Um, he loves that grill because of the uh, slowness that cooks and it holds a good temperature. It's really steady. And I will tell you, it makes a really, really good tasting duck. Um, particularly the hickory. I love their hickory flavored pellets. Um, but truly, you pick your best flavor, whatever you want. And I do like mm-hmm. the pellet grills. That's kind of a new thing out. Uh, of course, you know, then there's the, green, the big green egg, which is basically charcoal yep. and it's a modern feature. Um, also works real well. But um, the main thing, again, is steady temperature around 350 and cooking to that warm red center. So that's, that's the biggest ingredient. And eating it fresh. I mean, you know, it's always yep. best fresh. Now, everybody wants to talk about duck. You know, what duck, what duck tastes better? Well, teal are probably one of the best-tasting ducks. Not sure I could tell you why. They're just excellent table fare. Past that, most of the other duck um, species that we would name, Maori, Gabwall, Pintail, uh, and your um, uh, ringneck, Camasback, they all basically taste about the same. I've said it before on the show, it's funny to go back in history books and look. The canvas back was king, and that in New York in the 20s was like $12 a plate. Imagine how expensive that is in today's mm. time. Yeah. $12 back in the 20s for a canvas back plate. Uh, so it was revered as a very good table fare. But I will tell you that most ducks, big ducks, taste the same. Most people don't like a shoveler because they dabble in mud a lot. Um, they don't like um, uh, sometimes if you get into the divers, depending on what they're eating, they're eating a lot of clams and mussels, their meat not, may not taste as, as good. Um, mm-hmm. And similarly, a hooded merganser, because it eats fish, is not that good a meat. Um, so I don't shoot things I don't eat. That's just my practice what I try to teach my kids, if we hunt something, we eat it. Uh, so we try to work real hard at uh, finding ways to make uh, 
the things that we hunt have a really good, you know, good taste. And my kids' favorite meal, as I've, I've said before, is always deer loin, and right behind it, right in front of that would be doves. They love uh, grilled dove breasts. They love that. So that's been our family's favorite. We love duck as well. But I will tell you, the one that I've never conquered, as great as you make me out to be a cook, and I like to yeah. think I am, but I've never conquered goose. So I, I welcome anyone to call in on the show that has a great recipe for goose because I've never figured one out. You mean like that how have you tried to cook a goose? Really, how, how, have you, how have you tried to cook it? Well, I've tried it every way I do my duck, every marinade I've tried. I've tried different slices. I've tried cooking it small. I've tried frying it. I've tried a number of things, and it just never tastes right it -hmm. just doesn't um and um i've heard of people making jerky out of but that just never uh really has tasted as good to me uh so i I look forward to hearing somebody give me a good goose recipe because i have not ever uh found one now that's canada goose there's different species of goose the speckle belly goose they call that flying ribeye because it absolutely is a wonderful <laughs> table fare as well. I don't well, ask me why it's let, different, but it is. Let me ask you this. We never really talked about, I don't think that I can recall, we haven't talked a lot about goose hunting in South Carolina. Is, it a, is that a hot topic along the lines of duck hunting? So goose hunting in our state depends on where you are. Typically our early seasons where we see a lot of interest in goose hunting and we used to have a late season as well, the late season as well. But the early goose season um, where the whole state's open is really our in-state goose season where we have an opportunity to control the quote-unquote golf course goose because there is no predator on those things. And they um, lay eggs and have plenty more. Uh, I used to pick on Daryl Shipes. If he's listening, I'd love, I'd, I'd, I used to pick on them all the time. Daryl, you brought geese to this state. They went. To, he was part of the group that went to New York. They packed them up and brought them down here. It was a great idea until it wasn't. <laughs> and now there's geese Wait everywhere. Here's a, you mean here's we, we didn't story. have geese in South Carolina until somebody physically no, went no, and brought them? No, no, We went and brought them here because it was a great idea. New York said it would be a great idea. Of course they thought it was a great idea. We brought them here, and they became a resident goose season. And most states throughout the United States now have a resident goose season. And the problematic, they're problematic in that your time to hunt them, a lot of times they settle in urban areas where you can't hunt geese or on ponds with houses where you can't hunt geese. So it's hard, and people get real upset when you start trapping geese or killing geese that they like feeding. Uh, because for everybody that doesn't like that goose, there's somebody, for every 10 people that hate that goose, there's one person over here that loves them on the lake and is going to feed them. Mm-hmm. Um, so mm-hmm. goose season is popular in its own regard, but a lot of times people don't want to hunt them because they don't like eating them. So uh, we can talk about goose season. We'll talk about goose season at the end of duck season a little bit. Uh, we can talk about our in-state season, kind of get an update on that. Yeah. But uh, I'm afraid that's our, our table goose fare is cooked. tonight, Phil. I love I it. I love it. Our goose is cooked for tonight, Major. Thank you so much. You got me wanting to go get a slice of a duck burger somewhere after the show. We'll talk to you in a couple of weeks. Uh, Thank you, Pat. Everybody have a great night. See you tomorrow night.